Today, we're talking to Lewis from China Telecom Americas about 5G and edge computing in the telecom industry and leveraging culture in the workplace. You're listening to the Modern CTO Podcast. You know, it's a culture thing. What's the culture like where you're at? You know, for, for us, you know, we're an American division of the Chinese company, one of the largest Chinese companies in the world, right? And we're also, you know, our parent company is a state-owned enterprise of, inside of China. So for us, we were the first international subsidiary. So in many ways, we built the initial foundation and the culture of this company to sort of fit into the U.S., right? And uh, over the years, we've expanded to South America and Canada, and we've started to become a little bit more of a you know international company flavor. At the same time, our parent company started expanding as well. But for us, the, the culture, I would say, you don't come work here if you were expecting to have water cooler conversations about the Washington commanders every week, right? <laughs> you come here to talk about technology, talk about where things are headed. We have a lot of smart people that are really engaged and the next generation of technology. And they're here you know, to do their job, but more importantly, help us think about where everything is going and how we're gonna, you know, how does our company that's part of a very large conglomerate fit in into the world of technology and telecommunications. So it's pretty cool. It's a mix. Uh, majority of our employees are actually uh, US citizens. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, uh, we, we've maintained a very good balance and telecommunications is a, is a massive industry. What do you specifically do? Or, or if you do many things, what's your largest line of business? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, for us, the China Telecom Americas, we are an international broadband provider. And I break that down into two areas. One is that we help uh, companies get access to China. But inside of China, obviously, we're like the very large mammoth, one of the three main incumbents. And we have a network, a fixed line network, you know, a terrestrial network that's the largest inside of China. We have one of the largest uh, mobile business as well. We have a lot of consumer services. We have business services. So when American companies are moving into China, you know, we are the default solution. The advantage of working with us is that you get to work with us here in your time zone under U.S. contracts. Uh, with, you know, Americans uh, or English-speaking individuals who will be able to help you. We have some of that over there in China, but it's here it's a dedicated team. And we were set up for the purposes of being the window into China on behalf of China Telecom. And last year, we actually celebrated our 20th year anniversary. So, so it's a big milestone, right? We've come a long way, you know, since the beginning, you know. And for me, I was employee number 12. And to oh, see wow. the company... Uh, grow to what it's become. And, you know, we've added a lot of value into companies going to Asia and China and also companies coming from Asia and China to the U.S. So we bridge both sides. How many employees are you at now, like roughly? We're over 250 employees. We're, We're at an inflection point of our company. And by that, I mean is that we made some strategic decisions as to pull back in certain businesses. And at the same time, we're transforming ourselves to be better suited to serve 
the needs of the next generation of communications that's required. And that's in the areas of cloud computing, in the areas of software-defined networking, in the areas of you know, security in the cloud. If you assume that everything will slowly migrate to that world, and then you even have the bigger challenge that everything beyond the cloud, you're actually going to migrate to the edge. We're in the process of building that out here in the, in the Americas region. Our parent company actually were fortuitous that they're probably one of the leaders in the world in mainland China, developing these technologies and deploying them. We started getting into the business of IoT, for example, using sensors and stuff in, uh, you know, prior to the Beijing Olympics of 2008. And we built a, a platform that today allows third-party applications providers to integrate their technology into that platform, which is called Wing 5.0. And that technology allows you to put sensors into the cloud, okay? And then we have the wireless piece. When we started deploying our, our um, 5G solutions in uh, 2020, and then uh, we really made it robust and we started focusing on key verticals inside of uh, China. And now we're just starting to look at that. How do we take some of those capabilities? We're not gonna go and buy a wireless network outside of China although we built one in Philippines, and that was a separate deal and probably one and a one-off. But in the Americas region, we're gonna work with you know, the wireless providers to utilize their infrastructure to be able to offer what we call private 5G solutions to the enterprise. And we're very much aligned and cooperating with a lot of other American companies, because like I mentioned, you know, we, we started doing these things a long time ago. And as a result of that, we have a lot of history and one of the biggest industries, obviously, for obvious reasons, that we're very successful at is in the area of manufacturing. You know, we've actually done quite a bit utilizing, you know, 5G radio stations to build like these private facilities for, you know, manufacturing companies to take advantage of the speed and the resiliency of 5G technology. So it's been it's been a pretty cool experience. And it's also dovetails to what we've always done in China, which is really try to build smart cities. And now the world is actually, you know, we have an energy crisis, we have supply chain crisis, we have a lot of different crises. But where there's a crisis, there's always an opportunity, right? So for us, we're, we're trying to bring in new technologies that would allow the deployment and development of smart cities. We're in discussions with many of the Latin American countries and you know, not only the governments, but local municipalities that want some of these technologies to be brought to them and you know, lessons learned. So you know, for us, it's a business opportunity, but it's also a way to uh, help the rest of the world and uh, accelerate getting into this space because it is an investment and it is a change in mindset and it's a different use of technologies that we haven't done before. Can you explain to me this private 5G concept? Absolutely. So 5G, there's two types of uh, implementations. There's the companies that build, you know, their core 5G infrastructure inside their network. Okay. And then there's companies that take the 5G technology and put it into for private use using a bandwidth of airwaves that allows them to be able to use on a common shared basis. You know, companies like OTT companies are actually taking advantage of that to be able to offer cloud services and work with other companies to provide things at the edge. 
Okay, so what 5G is doing is really helping you accelerate the way information flows. And it's closer to you. When I say closer to you, it's actually because of its limitation as far as the distance it can carry. You have more of it distributed out across the network, but it's moving at much faster speed. So if you think about like a manufacturing industry company, they can actually see at a very much higher resolution and almost instantaneously what other people would see right in front of it, okay? And they can then tie that into their investments that they've made in machine learning or artificial intelligence for those systems to be able to take advantage of that information that they're pulling. And that's a lot of information that's being pulled, okay? And then be able to do something with it. That's where we're seeing, you know, it's a change, right? Because before, if you think about telecom companies, we go dig up a, a trench in the ground, or we build up a cell tower and we put it there in place and then we, we multiply that location and we get to your house and we get to your office. But that's changed. You know, the, the world of, you know, through the technologies like 5G, it's actually allows us to do more things. And we don't even have to be the incumbent anymore, right? You can just buy and cooperate with from other carriers to do some of these things. That's pretty cool. Can you give me like a specific customer example use case of somebody using the private 5G? Yeah, so one of the customers that I've recently been in communications with is a company out of uh, China that uh, manufactures cement. The way they do it, they have a, a place, a, a quarry, where they go pull information, they blast, okay? So they have these autonomous vehicles that move over there and do everything and prepare everything, and they're watching it, okay? They're watching it, you know, from afar, okay? And then they actually conduct the, the activities that are necessary to be able to break up whatever they need. And then they ship it over, all autonomous through robotics, okay, back into their factory. They put it in. Okay, so now you have people not only at their home office that can actually, I mean, at their corporate office that could be watching this, but also people that don't have to be in the middle. So it also presents a safety uh, measure for them so they don't have to be involved. We also have uh, opportunities where we're starting to see in the area of telemedicine. For the first time, we're starting to see where doctors are using technology. I think the, in the U.S., we where everybody gets to do you know virtual doctor visits and stuff like that, uh, utilizing some uh, technology, web conferencing technology, right? But over there, now they're actually being able to consult other doctors while things are going on to be able to see what's actually happening. We haven't, I haven't heard of anybody developing robots to actually do the surgery yet, but maybe that one, that will one day come. But these are technology, using the technology, you know, to utilize, to be able to conduct and to sort of, you know, uh, collaborate a little bit more is phenomenal. It's, it's going to help people a lot more. There's going to be less issues, I hope, in the future that can be eliminated because you have more people participating. Is that one of the drivers for you personally, the fact that you're building new technologies to do cool things? Yeah, actually, you know, I think for my industry, I'm really excited. I'm sort of geeked up about it. You know, I've been in the uh, telecom industry for over 20 years. And, you know, when, we, when I first started getting into providing data services, you know, just the connection to your house was like a big thing, okay? Well, now, you know, everybody, you know, you're at least a gig of traffic going to your house. Uh, and your office is, you know, maybe, you know, a larger amount of capacity goes to your office and so forth. 
But now that's not, that's not what telecom companies can, you know, are going to benefit from now. Now what we're doing is we're going up the uh, stack, as they call it, and providing more solutions that are, for example, for us, you know, we, we provide something called the ECP, Elastic Computing Platform, where you get into the cloud, you can actually access other cloud native providers like the Amazons, like uh, Microsoft and Google. And we allow you to shift between the different platforms, including using our cloud platform, okay? And we give you this on top of our SD-WAN platform. So what we're seeing is the, you know, the migration from focusing on building a line to your house or to your office to uh, building capabilities that are in the cloud, so to speak. You still have the wires and everything else that's necessary, but it's really now focused on uh, developing things that are in the cloud. And that's what we're doing, okay? We, you know, going back to the manufacturing examples, today we have over 200 uh, different APIs that people have built, okay, for their, their uh, for manufacturing industry, right? So they can, you know, these apps are going in there and being utilized and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, for us, it's, you know, it's a, it's a for telecom companies in general, it's a deviation of what the way we thought before. We always looked at the network as something that we did not want to have anybody on. We did not want anybody touching it and stuff. But it's, you know, the, with the advent of the internet, it's always been a shared facility. And now what you're seeing is the, that continuation and really empowering the end customer to be able to do more as what they need. And, you know, and I think we're still at the very beginning stages of leveraging all the technology that's coming together. If you think about the amount of traffic that's pushing through globally, I was told there was over 400 exabytes of traffic, okay? And that's a large amount of data that's traveling and growing, okay? Uh, There's over 42 billion devices that will be connected to the internet by the year 2025, okay? That's just phenomenal amount of information that's gonna be captured, and then at the same time, that's traversing through a network. And then you have things that you want to put in your, in, uh, in the cloud. You may even have one things that you want to put into your own data centers. And then you also want to do things at the edge where your computing is actually done at the edge. So these are like things that are happening relatively quickly. And there's a lot of different new business models that are sort of disrupting the traditional business models. So for me, I like that. I, I, I welcome the, the competition and I, I look at it as co-opetition. You know, we're going to partner with some of these companies. We're going to continue to work with, with our own resources and to develop some of that. But it's a change in the way we do telecom, right? It's no longer just, like I said at the beginning, you know, it's no longer just building a pipe to go to one place. Before it was all point to point and that's how it's supposed to be done. But now it's everything sort of embedded into the cloud. I'm curious to talk a little bit more about you. How did you get into technology? You know, for me, I graduated from uh, undergrad from George Washington University. And I was thinking Wall Street. I was an international finance major. My teacher was a, a, a retired executive from Solomon Brothers at the time. And I was thinking, you know, he he was like my idol, right? And he, I was like, he was my mentor early on. And I was like, I definitely want to do that. But what happened is I just, uh, I started applying locally in the DC community and I got involved into a uh, technology company. And then the company was being acquired. 
So I sat there and I go, okay, well, I could stick it out and see what goes on. But I'm like 24, 25 years old. They gave, they offered me, if I take a package, a year severance, I'm like, you know, 24, 25, I got a whole year, you know, up front. And I was like, I'm taking it. And I ended up sending out a couple of resumes. And one of them was to a company called Cable and Wireless. These were technology companies that I applied to. And I took the job. And I was like, you know, I had no expectations as to what, you know, or really any d- deep knowledge of, techno- of telecom. But I realized that they needed technology in, inside of telecom. So I started getting involved in different projects and different activities inside there. And I started, you know, I led uh, uh, Kevin Wireless getting back into the uh, voice business. Because previously when I joined, this tells you a long time ago, you know, it was only the big incumbents were allowed to provide voice. So we had a, a deal that we cut in New York with a local provider that allowed us to resell. And we started uh, chipping away. And then shortly thereafter, the Internet was being born. And um, Sprint reached out to me and said, hey, we are we, we built something. And Sprint was a pioneer at the beginning of the Internet. They, they owned the majority of the Internet traffic in the world. They said, we, we need somebody to help us build these off-ramps into websites. So I was hired on to build that business, and I did that for about three years. And then I joined the Internet startup that we went public, and that's how I got involved with China. Because when the company went public, uh, we still wanted to raise money as any startup, uh, especially back then, you always were raising money every day, right? So we ended up, um, one of our board members who was a pretty wealthy individual, he said, listen, I have a lot of operations going on in China. This is in 1998 and 99 timeframe. And he said, China is going to emerge and join the WTO. It's going to be a force to be reckoned with. You guys go over there and start it. And um, we took his money. And then uh, the next day, I was actually packing up to fly to China to start getting to know people, hiring people, and building up our operations there. And we did projects. We did a lot of projects and helping with website design. We did a partnership with uh, uh, Intel China and Fudan University, which is a very prestigious university. We used Fudan's uh, telephone closet, essentially, to uh, put create somewhat of a data center, mini data center, where we can put servers in and stuff like that. So I left and I went to go work for a very large telecom company that was owned by Bell Canada, a company called Teleglobe. And I was the executive running our, our, our what we call our e-business practice, which is really web hosting, uh, CDN, and uh, VPN services. And as a result of that, you know, I continued to do some business in China. But when China Telecom opened up, they, they reached out and recommended a friend of mine by that time, I was actually working for, dis- I was the CEO of a distance learning company. And then I ended up uh, just, uh, we sold the company. And then I had some free time. So I decided, well, I'm going to do this China Telecom thing again. It's interesting. And this is in 2003 when I made that decision. So, you know, China wasn't really well known at the time. And, you know, when I first joined, it was like, we, we got to grow this. We got to grow this fast because I don't want anybody else to, to take advantage of this market. Um, and we were also going through a lot of changes. Our parent company was coming out of being a monopoly. So the majority of our employees were engineers. There was less and less thinking about how, how to do business. So for us, 
we had three objectives when we started uh, with what was called at the time China Telecom USA. One, to generate revenues outside the U.S., I mean, outside of China. So the U.S. market is a very large market, so we can start generating revenues here. Two, to teach people how to compete. There's not, there's not a more competitive market for telecom services in the world than the United States. And three is to help prepare the business for the future because it wasn't, you know, telecom was never going to be, through technology like the internet, was never going to reside in one country. It was going to have to be deployed across the world, right? And in order to do that, you need to be a global player. So we accomplished that. We grew pretty quickly. And it was a startup inside of a very large organization where we had a lot of autonomy. And we continue to have a complete, mostly autonomy to build in, you know, what we call today China Telecom Americas. So it's, it's been a fantastic experience. I tell everybody, you know, um, one of the things I like to tell people when, they, when I hire them, I said, you're going to come work in a company where there's controlled chaos. And people look at me a little bit confused. And they go, what do you mean? And I say, it's going to be crazy. Okay, now, literally, maybe not crazy every day, but you're going to feel that things are going to are falling apart because you know why? Because we have to rebuild it and we have to be better than the next day, okay? So if we, keep, we all communicate, we all have the same focus on the end result, then we can build controlled chaos into our operations. You know, sometimes it's a little bit more chaotic than others, but any company that aspires to grow or expand, you know, you have to go through rebuilding yourself. Okay, it's not always noticeable, but it's something that it's uh, people have to be able to sort of buy into to say, okay, we we have challenges in front of us. How do we get out of these challenges? And you know, how do we sort of you know improve ourselves on a daily basis? And some some progress is made. You know, one day, some progress is made a year later, but you still have to sort of get there and show that progress. Did you achieve fluency in any of the Chinese dialects? <laughs> I, I did take Chinese classes, uh, uh, Mandarin speaking classes. I would walk out of the class exhausted. And exhausted because the pronunciation and the, the tones that are used in Mandarin speaking is very difficult. Sometimes in pre-COVID, I was finally starting to pick up. Okay, I, my, my pronunciation of the words could not of the of the language was not acceptable. But I can understand what people were saying. Right, it's like a child. You know, you spend enough time around people speaking, you know, you're going to pick it up. But I think I'm very rusty. One one thing that has happened because I do lead also our Latin American expansion. I'm actually from Ecuador, South America, and my Spanish has gotten better. Because I deal so much with, you know, colleagues and partners in Latin America that it's forced me to speak Spanish. You know, most of my career was uh, either in the U.S. or doing business in uh, Europe and some of it in Asia. But uh, and then it was working for China Telecom where I really accelerated my experiences in developing relationships in Latin America and actually speaking the language. So but my Mandarin, I'm not very good at it, I have to, unfortunately. <laughs> Well, there's um, no quiz today. No, there's there's yeah, no yeah. quiz. How has traveling and working, well, specifically working and building your career in telecom internationally in these different countries, how has that shaped your, the, like, have you built a family or did you just go the career route? And, and how did it shape the family if you did build one? That's a great question. Uh, I used to travel about almost 200,000 miles a year. Okay. 
that's a lot of miles, right? The airlines that I get on, sometimes I would see the same people because I'm, I'm flying overnight or I'm taking a long distance flight and stuff. And the airline stewardess would come up to me and say, hi, I, would, I, I started making friends with them and stuff like that. I built a lot of relationships outside of the United States. With COVID, it taught me something. It taught me that I had neglected my U.S. friends. I, I have a core group of friends that were buddies and we go once a year fishing and stuff like that. But I just really didn't realize how disconnected I was from my where I lived. I do have a family. I have a daughter and a son. And we are very close. Um, I have a fiancé that we've been engaged for probably as long as I've been working in telecom now. Uh, but I, I love my family. We're very close. COVID has actually taught me to appreciate that part of my life more. Because before I would just say, hey, why don't you just meet me in Argentina tomorrow, this weekend? And we'll just spend the weekend in Argentina, okay? But now, because where I live, you know, I, I didn't realize I was so close to so many different little rivers, so many creeks. So we go fishing, we go tubing, a lot of fishing, though. And, uh, you know, so my life has changed, you know. It's brought me back into a balance. I still miss the international piece. I'm doing some of that coming up in the next couple months and beginning of next year. But I don't think I'll necessarily have to go back to doing it to the volume that I did it before. So yeah. it's a, it's been refreshing. And, I you know, I think everything has a purpose in life. Yes. Unfortunately, you know, the, our world went through a very dramatic experience. But for me, it had a positive impact on me in that it taught me, hey, there's more to it than just being on a plane and mm-hmm. heading out uh, someplace. Yeah, for me, it was there's more to it than, you know, having a business. Uh, the pandemic, honestly, was one of the greatest things that had ever happened to our family simply because it, you know, when you get forced together like that to, to, to have that time, you either you either bond and take the relationship to another level or you split. But it's it, you don't really hang out in the middle when you, when you have that massive sudden change like that. Well, I remember, you know, it, it, we, we went into lockdown in February of uh, 2020. Like in April, Martina was asking me, when are you going to go on a business trip? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? The world is shut down. I, I can't go anywhere. So there's got to be a place you got to go to. Don't you have people that you're worried about? I was like, of course I worry about it. But we got this thing called Zoom. We're, we're good. But it made me realize it was like, you know, I was infringing in her life. Yeah. Okay. I was disrupting her life because she was the CEO of this household. And she still is. But more importantly, she was the lady who was actually used to a certain routine, right? And that included with my kids. So I had to become a little bit more observant, you know, and it's different. You know, you can have people that report to you and you have to do, you know, in a certain extent, they have to sort of listen. But um, not your wife. Yeah. They don't really have to listen to anything. And nope. as a matter of fact, you're sitting there trying to cajole them to do something you want to do. So it's it's a completely different way of doing things. But it's it's been a, you know, like I said, I agree with you. It's been a refreshing start for my life. I think it's made me understand things better. And actually, and I think it had tremendous positive impact on my uh, ability to be a business leader. It's taught me to be more compassionate. It's taught me to be more understanding. I've learned a lot from my colleagues, you know, I, you know, because I sit there and I go, well, why did you do that? You know, before I didn't probably have time, you know, I, I had to go from one conference room to the next conference room and to the next. 
Now I just listen more and I observe more and I have to think more. You know, I do miss the interactions. So we're, we're, we're slowly opening up our offices. Um, and like I mentioned, I'm going to start traveling a little bit again. But I don't expect to be in a situation where I'm racing down Dallas Airport to catch a flight anymore. You know, it's all about life balance, right? You know, I'm a big proponent of balance your life. You know, your work, your family life and your health. Yes. And you keep all three of them at the same level. I think I, before uh, pre-COVID, I think I was more focused on the work. Mm-hmm. So what is happening is my family probably and my health was probably behind a little bit. So yeah. now it's uh, um, I, I learned how to bring it back into a balance. And, I'm, and, and as a result of that, I'm actually better at work yeah. than I was before in my opinion. That was a maturing point for me too, to realize that sometimes you have to slow down to speed up. And it's hard because you don't want to. You want to just grind through it and push and push and push. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. But that doesn't always work. And then I realized that when I'm doing that, it's because I don't understand how to make it work efficiently. <laughs> so now if I'm going, if I find myself like over, like, you know, working too much or things like that, I'm like, where's the flaw in my system? Like what's not set up right? Do I need to hire somebody? Do I need to delegate? Like, where's that pressure coming from? Um, and that's just, you know, and then, and then resolving it. I don't think it's about keeping it so in line that it never gets out of line. I think it's, yeah. for me, it's about reducing the time from the moment I recognize it's getting out of line to the moment that that's resolved. And I just try to get that really small. Yeah, no, I think that's right on. And I call that being on the helicopter, right? Looking down at your life and seeing, what are you doing? <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of times I sit there and go, oh my God, what is going on with you, Liz? You need to sort of get grounded again, or you need to uh, pick it up or do something else. But it's, it says a lot about you because you're starting a business. Mm-hmm. You know, that's um, so a lot of it is your passion that you have for this business. And, uh, you know, and then you, when you have your family life, too, you know, and you're starting that, too. You know, yeah. you're still in the early stages of that. So it says that you're a busy guy. Well, I want to make sure. Was there any specific call to action or anything that we didn't get out there about the company? Are you hiring? Well, you know, the, the last thing I'm probably that's worth discussing is that we're in the process of sort of redefining ourselves into the space of, as I mentioned, in the cloud and the SD-WAN space. And we're going to be extending that capability outside of the United States into Latin America. Okay. But our focus is a little bit different, right? We're looking to partner with companies where they have an edge so we can bring it back to the core, okay? And it's different from what we've done before. We're we're not going to go and we're going to build a beachhead in different countries in South America. We're not going to build a network that, you know, goes around the whole country, okay? And we're going to depend on partners. And it's really to get us back onto the cloud, our cloud and our partners' clouds, and it's to be able to take advantage of all the technology that we're going to put into that space. So when customers think of, hey, I need to activate additional capacity for storage, or I need to have some security capabilities, or I need to have even bare metal type of services, they don't have to make a huge investment. They can just utilize our assets and take advantage of that. And that's really where we're headed in the future. And, uh, um, you know, in the next 18 months, we'll be sharing more details about that. I think it's an exciting proposition 
because we're a very large organization, one of the largest telecom companies in the world. And we made the decision to, to refocus our energies into things that are traditionally not something we would have done. We would have been more of an infrastructure, let me lay fiber, let me build cables, let me do all those things. Um, we're moving away from that. And I, I think it makes a lot of sense for us, not only financially, but also to better serve our customers. Because the other model is something that's very laborious, expensive, a lot of CapEx. And I feel like we're going to miss out on the real providing the real solution that our customer wants if we were to take that per approach. So we're fortuitous that we didn't make a lot of investments. We're going to take advantage of those investments that have been made by our partners and utilize their infrastructure to be able to provide services on top of that. And if people want to learn more, what's the website? Where do they go? www.ctamericas.com. That's easy. That's an easy one. Yeah, we'll put that in the description. And then last question for you here. Over your entire career, what is the single best piece of leadership advice that you've received? I don't know if it's the best, but the most prevalent one that I've always recalled in my life is really to follow your own path. Okay. And that was actually something when I graduated from college. My mother gave me one of these uh, success stories, uh, little uh, thing that I keep around. And actually, it's in my office right now. But I've always thought to myself, you know, I can follow the path that's in front of me, but that's only going to take me to what I see. Okay. But if I follow my own path and create my own journey, then I'm going to go to places that I've never, I can't see. Okay. And I'd rather be looking at things that are where it's going to take me because I'm comfortable and I understand that I can actually solve problems through my own journey. It's a better path to take than it is to uh, just continue to be following somebody else. So, you know, I always recommend to people, you know, hey, you got to do what's in your gut. You got to do what you feel because that'll take you someplace that you're going to be happy with. If you're following somebody else, guess what? You're probably following their journey. And that's not necessarily yours. So I, I think about that quite a bit throughout my life, especially when I get into like tough moments. Dude, that is well said. 550 episodes. I haven't heard that before. That was awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.